You're listening to Irish Illustrated Insider. It's Monday, December 21st, a couple days after Clemson manhandles Notre Dame in the ACC championship 34 to 10. Boy, it's a different feeling going back to the playoffs than it was two years ago. Uh, something to celebrate two years ago, something to celebrate this year too, because it's been a really good football season. But, uh, you know, the ACC championship obviously went sour in the second quarter, the same way the Cotton Bowl did against Clemson two years ago. And waiting on the horizon is this little upstart football program that goes by the name of the Alabama Crimson Tide. And uh, did the line go up? It opened at 17 and a half. I'm sure yep. it has gone up. 19 and a half. 19 and a half. And, a half, right and I would um, imagine that, that that will continue to go up. I checked it out. The uh, it, as you would guess, it's the biggest spread um, yeah. in bowl in playoff history, but by a touchdown now at nineteen wow. and a half by yeah. a full touchdown. Pete, you did. A, I, we're, I think we were both in the airport yesterday when I, I think we both made a mistake on Twitter of saying Notre Dame Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. Did you do that too? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that because I, I was trying to watch it from the air on uh, American Airlines Wi-Fi, which is like more like dial-up that you can pick up. And I read that it was the Sugar Bowl, so I went with it and then was like, well, wait a minute. Yeah, They're going to uh, yeah. the Rose Bowl <laughs> in the Cotton Bowl instead. In, in fairness, uh, Alabama was told the Sugar Bowl because Alabama also put out something saying Sugar Bowl. Oh, they did. Everybody thought it was well, the Sugar Bowl. We, we... So apparently 16,000 fans allowed in Arlington and 3,000 allowed in New Orleans. So that wasn't actually Alabama's decision, correct? It was a sign. You wouldn't think yeah. so. Yeah. It was a sign to them because of I, I I get the way I understand it because of the allowance of of more fans. So uh, I'm fine with that. Going back to always oh, good to go to Jerry World. Um, it's it's a, an amusement park. The doubles is a football stadium, and um, you and know, you but won't get lost after post game interview. Well, you won't get lost after post game interviews for the third straight right, time. I'll still be uh, sitting. <laughs> Unfortunately, the grandmas who make the cookie not, are a vulnerable section of the population. I wasn't sure we were going to be able to be there. <laughs> I wasn't yeah, sure. Grandmother's homemade cookies are not going yeah, to be Yeah, they need to stay away. <laughs> so let's talk about um, Nordin Clemson and put a wrap on that because it wasn't very pretty. It was, uh, you know, we, we got, I, I know we got a question in the second segment that we're, I, I'm going to point out the three, the three spots in the first half where Nordin could have changed the momentum as it started to go against them, but you knew, I mean, you knew it was kind of ominous when they had to settle for a field goal on the first drive. We're all a little bit surprised at Jonathan Dorr, whose confidence is a little, is obviously shaken now drills a, or squeezes in a 51 yarder. And then they had an opportunity down there in the red zone to go up 10, nothing. And when that opportunity slipped by, you know, by the end of the first quarter, Notre Dame had dominated or controlled the action anyway in the first quarter. And they were still losing seven to three. Well, in the beginning drive of the second quarter. I mean, that was the drive of the Avery Davis, uh, Ian Buck miscommunication. And, and that's that's a first down at the 15-yard line or 12-yard line maybe by the time he gets tackled. Notre Dame needs all these things to happen in order for it to be, them to be down 24 to 13 or 24 to 17 at the half. And 24 to 3 is just absolutely no shot against Clemson. Even like the first quarter, it reminded me a little bit of watching the Notre Dame-Northwestern game from a couple years ago where – Notre Dame was moving the ball, but it felt like so much work, even when they were having success um, to move the football on Clemson and Clemson could just like chuck it wherever it wanted. Um, so it just, it never felt like a game where 
that dynamics were going to hold up for Notre Dame, even if, even if they had been up fourteen to seven, I it would it would have felt like a game that Notre Dame was going to lose by ten points at least. Um, they instead they were down seven three and they ended up losing by almost thirty one. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know that I felt it quite that way because I thought with with the scoring opportunity and the chance to go up ten to nothing. I mean, I know what you're saying because. Trevor Lawrence, <laughs> I mean, anyone that said, and I think initially I said it myself, that when, when Nordy beat Clemson the first time that, uh, you know, Uyangalele threw for 439. Um, but Lawrence just makes such a difference in every single aspect every of the game. Not, I mean, not only on the offensive side of the ball, but it impacts their defense positively too. He's just a – He's just masterful. What he does in the passing game opens up the running game. What he does in the running game, he's throwing blocks. He's carrying out every fake. Um, he is he is absolutely spectacular. He, he put Notre Dame's defense on roller skates the whole game. That's how it looked. They were trying to they were, they were trying to do this that this go this way. Every 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 time he ran, he looked more athletic than the guys chasing him. I was just watching him play in the first quarter right before he threw the tipped interception. I mean, Notre Dame has him for a one-yard game. He slips away from it. They have him for a four-yard game. He sidesteps it. They have him for a seven-yard game. He runs through the tackle. He gets tackled for a nine-yard game and gets a face mask. It's just like, if this is going to happen, and he's the best passer in the world, aside from Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, there's going to be a problem today. <laughs> I mean, it's he, he impacts every element of the game. Pete, I didn't answer your tweet because I wanted to save it for today. It was a great question covering Notre Dame. Have you ever seen somebody impact the game more than Reggie Bush against Notre Dame until Trevor Lawrence? And that's not close. Like you were looking for people to say, is there is Reggie Bush one of them? Trevor Lawrence impacts the game way more than Reggie Bush ever did. Yeah, I mean, my question was more like, who's the most spectacular player yeah, you've seen yeah. live? Opposed, like obviously a quarterback's going to impact the game more than a running back. I would He's still go with Bush is the most spectacular player I've ever seen in person, but Lawrence is is number two, and I don't I. I wouldn't even bother spending time figuring out who number three is. And I thought Tony Elliott, the, the Clemson uh, offensive coordinator, did a great job. I mean, he had he, he, one play built upon another. Notre Dame couldn't hone in on anything. They went from one offensive concept to the next. I know when we get in segment two, um, you know, all the questions will will basically be asked from the perspective of it was 100% Notre Dame's fault and, and Clemson gets no credit for anything. <laughs> that happened uh, because that's a, that's the nature of a fandom. I get that. But uh, I thought Elliot called a great game. Certainly Venables adjusted, you know, in retrospect, you, you, you really have to look back and say, well, why didn't Venables make that adjustment the first time around against Notre Dame as it relates to, you know, flattening out Ian book and, and taking away that, that crease where he would escape in game one with the, the defensive end coming from the outside and then, uh, you know, that room between the defensive tackle and the defensive end, he changed to his approach. Now, on the flip side, Notre Dame should have anticipated that, correct? Yeah, and I, I do. I kind of lean more to Tim's side of it with um, how the game started and how Notre Dame was getting down the field. I, I do think Clubs was going to adjust and beat Notre Dame. Certainly, certainly. But I feel like Notre Dame lost a lot of the confidence they had this year when they were down even – 17 to three instead of being in a 17 13 game and 13 is not converting in the red zone more than once. I'm just, 
you're just got to get something out of those. Like when you miss that field goal and get nothing on fourth down mm-hmm. and it's into the second quarter, you're into the second quarter in a game and Clemson has a touchdown and you don't, you have to get that as Notre Dame. But to Pete's point, Clemson never had to get anything. They were always going to get something along the way. And that's, that's eventually that would have, would have worn down Notre Dame. Yeah. It's, I mean, but you're right. It would have been, you know, in this hypothetical world, 27, 17 at the half or 24, yeah. 17 yeah. at the half. That happened. Give it a shot. You know, this is just no shot. <laughs> that's, and that's like, I think we all sort of in our predictions felt like that was going to be the game that was played. Like Clemson was going to win by, I, I all like, Clemson was going to win by at least a touchdown, but it was going to be one of those where Notre Dame scored at the end to make it a touchdown game, um, not score at the end to make it a 34-10 game. Um, you know, I just felt like Clemson was that much better than Notre Dame, but I didn't think I didn't think that it was going to turn out the way that it did where they were that, that, that much better than Notre Dame. Right, right. The, the chink in uh, the armor of Tommy Reese up to this point as an offensive coordinator through 12 games is red zone, and we saw it in the bowl game last year. And, um, you know, at the most critical time here, uh, it, it was, again, it was even in the win over, even in the win over Clemson. So, yeah. I mean, that's an area that, and we have a question on that in the second segment. I'm not going to get too deep into that because I, I want to wait till then, but um, they haven't come up with a solution. And, um, you know, not having Chase Claypool hurts, but you can't use that as an excuse in the 11th game of the year. You've got to come up with ways to get in the end zone. That's the only way that you're going to compete and stay stride for stride point-wise with, with a Trevor Lawrence-led offense. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing was, you know, why does Tony Elliott have solutions in the red zone when Tommy Reese doesn't? Well, I mean, he's got the better quarterback. He's got the better running back. He's got multiple receivers who are better. Um, you know, it's like you could say the, you know, Chase Claypool can't be an excuse. Well, I mean, Clemson has Amari Rodgers and, you know, EJ Williams, like who the hell is that guy? making these one head catches, like it's no problem. Um, you know, 33 yard touch, like Notre Dame's Notre Dame's offensive skill material is just not good enough to hold up in these kinds of games. He can be better in the red zone. If <laughs> you can get down yeah. there, be better in the red zone. You know, there, there, <laughs> there's ways to be better in the red zone than what, what they were this year. Um, yeah. And, I mean, if you're going to be comparing it against Clemson, the problem with the red zone is you have to score touchdowns every single time, as opposed to three touchdowns and two field goals, which would win almost every game you play. You could play other than Ohio State, probably. I don't. I mean, I know people are down on Ohio State after that one game, but they're going to play better than that. Other than those three teams, Notre Dame goes into every game and plays their offensive defense against the red zone five times and scores three touchdowns and two field goals. Take my chances in that game against the rest of college football, right, with Notre Dame's defense, but in this game. What are you going to do? I mean, Trevor Lawrence is going to get you eventually. That's the problem. How about the one coming up? <laughs> That's a different world. It's a different <clears throat> world of player. I mean, their offensive line compared to Clemson's offensive line? Wow. Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, Clemson's. <laughs> I mean, Clemson's... I will say, as good as Mac Jones is, it's not that he doesn't stress every play like Trevor Lawrence because he can't keep the ball and run for 65 yards. So there, there's a difference there. Now he's handing off to superhumans with an incredible offensive line and throwing to Devontae Smith, who's much better than Amari Rogers or Cornell Powell or anybody else. But the Lawrence factor is something that Notre Dame just could not match up with athletically. And at least Mac Jones doesn't do that. Well, that's true. Although I do have it on good authority that uh, when we see the Alabama offensive line come onto the field on January 1st, 
their appearance will be striking. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I remember. But, the- I mean, you remember <laughs> what it, remember what it was like in 2012. I mean, it's like it's incredible. Yeah. I thought DJ Fluker had legs. Fluker, it's like oh. Fluker. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it was a mountain. So I like. I don't want to be. I don't want to spend our next however many podcasts before Alabama laughing at at Notre Dame's chances against Alabama. It's a, it's a tall order. Uh, they're going going to have to come up with some solutions for some of their problems, including the red zone. If they get in the red zone six times at Alabama, they need to score five, five or six touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, four, twelve. Yeah, get the red six zone. Touchdowns. Six they need to score touchdowns. a touchdown on every road zone trip. No. Yeah, because that. Um, <clears throat> well, we saw in the in the Florida Alabama game that uh, <laughs> you know Alabama will just they'll just score as many points as they have to score, I guess. Um, so that's a tall order, but, uh, anyway, let's, let's take questions about the demise of the Nordic football program in one 60 minute <laughs> yeah. game. Everything's I mean, lost after going 10 yeah, and up. It's, it's all go- It's all gone. Everything that happened never really did happen. Segment two coming up. Thank you for listening to the Irish illustrated insider podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics. Burning up the board, segment two, we start with a question from DW Stall 81. Honest assessment of the football program? I, I think that Brian Kelly has done an amazing job over 11 years pulling Notre Dame in front of about 115 other Division I FBS football programs. However, uh, Notre Dame and Clemson have extended the gap between themselves and Notre Dame at the same time. So I think Notre Dame is actually farther away from the top of the sport now than they were in 2012, which is a little bit disconcerting because they were pretty far away back then. Um, And it's not to say, again, the program has improved in some major, major substantial ways, but they're almost it, it i've o'malley i think you and i were talking about this between segments like the lsu clemson game it felt like we were watching a different sport last year yeah. i feel like notre dame and Notre Dame, alabama and clemson don't necessarily all play the same sport yeah and i didn't think i would see that in the clemson game i definitely i didn't thought, think so either i thought clemson i mean I, I never at one point thought notre dame would win this acc championship game rematch with lawrence and the defensive mm-hmm. back. but i never thought it would be during the game i would think it was impossible as I did at halftime. Um, my perception didn't change with Notre Dame compared to Alabama, though, because I, I remember when Notre Dame beat Clemson. I thought to myself, my gosh, what a great moment for Notre Dame. And we had the podcast, and I was like, they have to beat Alabama. They have to beat Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama to get there, basically, again, which is, mm-hmm. which is true. If they would have beaten Clemson, they would have to beat Ohio State. And that's conceivable. They're so far away from what LSU was last year, what Clemson was in 2018, and what Alabama is this year. So I think, Pete, you make a good point about 2012. If Alabama just didn't get in that year, and they didn't have to, remember? They did not have to get in. Notre Dame would have won the national championship. I feel like if Alabama didn't get in this year, Notre Dame still would not have won the national championship. This is what, like, it's conceivable to, I remember in 2012 thinking about picking Notre Dame to beat Alabama in the national I didn't, but I thought about it. Yeah, pregame, there was... 20 to it's, 19, they could win that game. You know, that was pregame. I mean, I've, I've been covering Notre Dame for 20 years. I don't remember I don't remember ever covering a really good Notre Dame team, which this is, 
and thinking they have zero chance to win the game. And that's how I feel about this one, which is just not a good place. Like if you're, if you want to say that you're competing for championships, you should never be in the space that you are right now. There are 130 FBS teams. 127 of them are below the top three. Yes. Uh, and I would put Notre Dame in the top uh, half dozen after that front three. Yeah, and I would I would go one step further, Tim. And, and honestly, I if you want to argue it, I would say the next three can be Notre Dame, Oklahoma. Okay. No, I, I said top six. I, I'm not. Yeah, ex- yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't. I was saying I think they're better than ten. You know, I think they're. Yeah. Okay. From four to seven. You want to? I, argue. No, I, I agree. I agree with that. But the difference between. I mean, uh, think about the difference between then that top 10 and the other 120. Yeah. Although I get it's not, certainly not as stark as, as Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State's not as good this year. They're transitioning a little bit. COVID and the up and down season, they never, they, you, I, I saw this the other day, Ohio State never played two weeks in a row. <laughs> yeah, there's a I mean, that's. Their, their yeah. talent level was great this year, and it's, it's I mean. No, talent level is still good. It's just not as well-developed right. as, as maybe as it is some other times. But, you know, the Nordic football program is, is one of the best football programs in the country. It's just not up with the other three, nor is anyone else's. Yeah, I, I, feel, I was just going to say, like, if, if you wanted to sum up an honest assessment, it almost feels like it, this might be as good as it gets for Notre Dame. Like, this is sort of what hitting the ceiling feels like. Well, when you see next year's team <laughs> – you know, That's I mean, what I'm saying. A, like, yeah, there's a there's a transition next year. There's just no doubt about that. Yeah, you're going to be rebuilding. Like every two three years, you can make a an honest run at that. But right. that's I think what's disconcerting for Notre Dame is like this was a this was an honest, serious, legitimate run at a at a playoff caliber season, and then you're 19 and a half point underdogs. In right. the and they needed to beat Clemson so they wouldn't have to play Alabama in the first game. They would play Ohio State in the first game, who they conceivably could defeat. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you would have needed Clemson to upset Alabama and get a third game with Clemson. Yeah, it'd be hard to beat Clemson again. It's not it, I, people right now are going to say, "Well, Florida scored forty-six on Alabama. Great. If Notre Dame had Florida's offense and Notre Dame's defense, I'd, I'd enjoy the game more. Probably, you have a yeah. little bit better chance, right? That's just not the way the world works, though. But you know, I will say at least for. Lawrence is – he's still going to be better than Uniunga Gale in the future. Like, Trevor Lawrence is a not a beatable player right now um, for most. It took a generation – it took an all-time great college football team to beat him last year in LSU. LSU's players seemed a lot faster than Clemson's defensive players in that game. I do think Notre Dame can have – won't be as good of a team next year, but I think they can have a good record because they don't, they don't have Clemson on that schedule. You know, they just don't have a team you can't take down. No, that's, that's true. That, yeah. That's true. But you know, I mean, Nordy may be to the point where they're rebuilding and they go 10 and two. Yeah. That, that's, that's kind of how I feel about next year is they could be rebuilding as a 10 win team nowadays. Yeah. Against the schedule. The, the tough one there is it's a really hard schedule in 2022 when Nordy will be better again, when Nordy will start building to 2023 and everything. Which is also a very hard schedule. ND <laughs> uh, Yinzer, why is red zone touchdown scoring like pulling teeth for Reese Kelly booked? All that size at wide receiver tight end and both times against Clemson now settling for field goals close and missed field goals. And Pete, you already kind of addressed this with with the the, the skill position personnel uh, in the red zone is look, you know, I mean, just 
just eliminate Chase Claypool and Miles Boykin from the equation, and and it's it's a step down. Yeah, I, I feel like they don't have a very good rhythm in the red zone, though. He has a pretty good rhythm, as a really good rhythm as a play caller. Usually, I don't, I don't. I guess I often judge it too much by the oh, I don't know about running on second and five because now you have to pass. You know, one of those things. That's an after the fact fan watching a game complaining about a play call thing. It's not like I said this is the play you should run on second and five. I don't feel like the same rhythm exists right now for this team in the red zone that it does when they're driving down the field. And I don't know how you, I don't know how you change that. Really. I don't know what it is other than the self-analysis in the off season. Yeah, it's film study. It's, I mean, it's all part of the coach's process of, yeah. Look, Tommy Reese has been really good this year. Is he perfect? Obviously not because they're struggling in the red zone. Hey Beasley, let's move on to Alabama, which we accidentally kind of already have. Two weeks to prepare. Do you go back to fundamentals and sticking with normal game prep, or do you start game prep knowing you have to make changes to personnel schemes or new plays? I'm, I'm not sure. I, I mean, no, it's, I, it's both, but I, I mean, are, are you going to come up with something so whiz bang that you can? upset Alabama I, and it's like what, when Brian Kelly talks about playing ball control offense which he did on Sunday like I understand logically that makes sense but I mean Notre Dame's gonna have to go for it on a bunch of fourth downs yes. they're gonna have to maybe do a tr- uh, onside kick out of nowhere after they score I mean it, it is gonna have to be like major gamble throughout the game and hope that you hit on almost all of them I, you know I just I'm gonna Four down offense. I I think it's a you get four downs, right? You're allowed four downs. Yeah, you have to use them. You do have to use them. You have to just maintain possession. I just don't think it's realistic in the twelfth game of the year that you're you're making major overhaul changes in your personnel. The reason the guys that are on the field are on the field is because you've determined after how many dozens and dozens and dozens of practices that these are the better players. Sure, but. Strategy and play calling, and there well, has yeah, to- yeah. Do you have to take more chances? Sure. I, I'm not sure that you go into it saying, "What the hell? We're going to go for fourth and three in the opening series at our own 35." But you, that, you're, there are only so many. There are only so many buttons to push. You have to. And Brian Kelly will say this, and I, and coming from a coach's perspective, I agree. It comes down to doing the fundamental things right, playmakers making plays, doing what you do best. You're not going to you're not going to reinvent the wheel in 12 days or whatever it is, and beat Alabama. You you still have to play, because if you don't play to your own strengths, they won't be strengths. I I just don't I I I, I this is not a realistic mindset to think that you're going to overhaul everything or make really really significant changes and do things that you haven't done all year and be successful at it. Yeah, it's like it's tactical risks that you need to take. Not I would agree. I agree. Yeah, like the fourth down calls, onside kick. That that doesn't mean like run a bunch of trick plays. No, it, I I totally agree with the fourth down. <laughs> I mean, t- some teams do it anyway. Teams have Notre yeah. Dame used to do it more. Notre Dame went for twenty five fourth downs two years in a row under Chip Long. This year they went for twelve. Now they didn't need to. They're a better team in every game except for two. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to do it. But you're not the better team. You can't keep giving Alabama possessions, right? The more possession no, they get, the worse off you are. Now you now you maybe you you bypass field goals on right. fourth and five because you have to score touchdowns. Yeah. I get that. But the major overhaul of your personnel and your schemes, that is not a realistic no. that isn't that isn't real world college football at this level. Yep. I don't think. No, I'm, I'm, we're with you on that. I think we're all 
No, I, I, I guess I'm arguing more, against Kay Beasley, and I and I, I I just thought that I don't think that that's I don't think that that's really what how the game is played. I would just say like Alabama Ole Miss probably a good example of this. Ole Miss was four of four on fourth down in that game. That's probably you probably need to have four four five of five for Notre Dame to hang in this one. Oh, Lullen, how would you assess the performance of Tommy Reese? Were we just overmatched, or was it something more? Well, he didn't have a he didn't have a great game when it counted. Um, he also needed the execution of a fourth and three to keep things going. Um, I thought Tommy Reese did a better job than Brent Venables six weeks earlier. So, yeah, I agree. It's one to one, right? Yeah, I think that was Reese won the first matchup and Venables won the second matchup. And if you want to do an aggregate score, then I would say Venables won the overall competition because the second one was kind of a blowout and the first one. You know, during what what fifty nine minutes between touchdowns in the first meeting? Yeah, two t- Yeah, I mean, I you know, I really had I, like when I first heard that they scored two offensive touchdowns. I'm like, what? Okay. I I really like I had to go back and look. Is that really what happened in that first game? Yeah, I tell you what though, this is important point when you talk about game control and things like that. So I, I kept it. I've showed Jack this before. Back when we used to sit and watch games together in press boxes and such, I keep I keep the drive charts and instead I do. So it's like four columns, touchdowns, three and outs, less than 25 yards, which is just a bad drive. You know, you haven't done much. And then a quality drive. And Notre Dame against Clemson the first time was touchdown, quality drive, quality drive, quality drive, quality drive, three and out, quality drive, quality drive, quality drive. And this was just gross. (laughs) Like it was two quality drives and bupkis until the end. And the the reason for that is, Tim, in the first game, yeah, Notre Dame only scored two touchdowns but they were 10 of 19 on third down. Yeah. This yeah. game, they score one touchdown. They were three of 12 on third down. The score so would be much the whole, better if they were 10 for 19 on third down. <laughs> exa- no, exactly. But the whole way that we, that like in retrospect, when we think of that first game, you think, hey, the offense played pretty well. They only scored two touchdowns, but the yeah. reason we think they played pretty well is the 10 of 19 on third down. I don't want to tell you what Clemson's drive chart looks like this game either. Probably uh, pretty All good on those quality drives. And touchdowns. <laughs> There's like two. Hey, I will say we should point this out because we're never going to talk about it again. Notre Dame's defense gave Notre Dame's offense a chance to come back and make it a two touchdown game with two consecutive stops to start the second half. Tail of tape, baby. Clemson was going to bury Notre Dame right there. Tail of tape gave the offense needed to yes. give the defense some help right. and it never happened. Mr. Groovy Saturday was filled with very disappointing performances. If I had to rate, rank my top three disappointing performances, it would be one, Tommy Reese, two, Josh Lug, three, defensive line. What's your list? Lug played kind of the way I thought he was going to play, not as well as Clemson's defensive line because he's a right tackle by trade that played right guard all year, is nursing a bad back, and he was playing center against Tyler Davis. So in terms of disappointing – I guess I was appointing him to play that way, and that's why I thought Clemson would win the game. Um, the defensive line, I thought, would have a better day. So for me, I, I put a very high standard on the defensive line. That They weren't the worst of those three things, but I thought that was the thing to keep Notre Dame in the game, was the defensive line. I, I totally agree with that. I thought that the defensive line just they, – they needed to beat up Clemson's offensive front, and that, that didn't even come close to happening. Um, Josh Lugg is – Doing the best that he can. I mean, he's not a natural center. Um, he's, you know, there's a reason Zeke Carell, they went to him first. Um, and I think it was beyond Tommy Kramer's appendectomy. It's like Zeke Carell is a natural center. So 
hopefully they can get back to that. And then Reese, like we just talked about, like Brett Venables is the best defensive coordinator in college football and he beat Tommy Reese. So no shame in that, that I don't think that was a huge shock, but like the, the nature of the blowout was, was I think what kind of gave everyone pause. Brent Venables is a strange cat, isn't he? Super weird. <laughs> Did you see somebody tweeted? So one of our subscribers tweeted, um, has Venables ever worn a mask? Like you're looking for something new to complain about right now if you're a Notre Dame fan, because it was just going so poorly. You're like, come on, take him out of the game or something, man. <laughs> You know, I, I I give I give him credit though. You know, because most guys like they aspire to be a head coach because probably because the money is ten times more than what they're making as a coordinator. But um, you know, I mean, he knows who he is. The difference between a coordinator and a head coach is can be very vast. I think he just I don't know how many head coaching opportunities he's had, but I mean, at least he knows who <laughs> he, he is. Huh? Yeah. Yes, I'm sure he's had a bunch. It's like. But would he be a good head coach? I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't, I. A lot of bad head coaches that aren't great on defensive coordinator. Yeah. <laughs> but I just think that he's a, he's a hands-on yeah. coordinator coach. Being a head coach is, is so vastly different, or at least it can be. So anyway, recent, for me, recent D-line. Reese has got to come up with the plays. It's his job. And the D-line, I, I mean, I agree. I you, you can't get beaten like that. But I, but I also think that the D-line was defeated because Elliott's play calling slash yep. Lawrence's execution of the offense, which makes D-lines look worse, I guess, than they really are. E. Kelly underscore C. Why didn't Ian book for the ball deep more? Were the safeties playing over the top? Were there opportunities for that? Like, I mean, he for the first time in quite a while, I think he saw the pass rush in front of him opposed to, I mean, he had been playing sort of like a quarterback in the matrix where it was almost looked like he was in a seven on seven game. Um, a lot of weekends. This was one of them where I thought Clemson's pass rush had him thinking and it was flashing in front of him and he didn't see beyond it. Also, I don't think that there was really anybody open. Um, you know, he hit a few guys deep, you know, he had the, the Davis drop misconnection would have been critical, but they're just, there, there weren't guys, running open through that formation that Clemson was just really attuned to what Notre Dame wanted to do with those routes. I, I go back to part of the pregame analysis from the first time Notre Dame played Clemson. And, you know, I remember at that point, I mean, Ian book wasn't the Ian book book that we thought of going into the ACC championship game. And, and what Clemson had done to him in the 2018 cotton bowl was compress the pocket, flatten things out and didn't allow him to, to scramble. Well, you know, he was able to do that in the first game this year, but Venables went back to what worked against book the first time in 2018, which, which again, I got to say, what the hell was Venables thinking in the first game? Uh, of, of Hopefully they season. fire him. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. I was hoping for that. Nor he got so the they, Vanderbilt job. So they compress the pocket and I go, I go back to, <laughs> I go back to uh, what I was saying at, at this point, you know, six, seven weeks ago. Ian Book can't, he has difficulty seeing the middle of the field, especially when you compress the pocket, flatten things out, and don't allow him to have that vision downfield. So, you know, shame on Venables for what he did on November 7th. I want to jump back to the question um, about Notre Dame changing things. Here is one more thing you have to change to beat Alabama. Ian Book can't go 0 for 2 on passes thrown over 20 yards. He can go 0 for 10, 
but he can't go 0 for 2. That's a good way of putting it. Mm. It's a good you way of putting it. Get it down there just to loosen things up because otherwise it's going to just be the same thing, only it's going to hurt more when they tackle you. C. Domer, with Brent Venables providing the blueprint for how to shut down the Notre Dame offense, what adjustments must Reese and Kelly make to put some points on the board against Alabama? Well, I mean, it's, hey, look, as long as you don't run into teams that have a bunch of five-star defensive linemen running around, I think you'll be okay. Unfortunately, they're playing Alabama next game, and they have a bunch of five-star defensive linemen running around. Yeah, I mean, that, the, my adjustment, I think we talked about them. It, it, you have to be a little more devil may care throwing the ball down the field as the game progresses if you're Ian Book. I mean, you're not giving the ball away to start the game, of course. You're trying to work some things and work it around, but you, you just have to have some shots. I mean, I guess you have to have faith in your offense on second and two that we're taking a shot and not handing it off to Kyron Williams to gain four yards and stuff like that. It's just not – it's just a different – it's just a different situation. Their offense is if they get the – Alabama gets the ball 12 times, they might score eight touchdowns. You know, I mean, I don't know if C. Domer's looking for this – the solution to the issue. I, I, I can make some tweaks. I can su- suggest some tweaks and stuff, but uh, you know, maybe more, more misdirection, getting that, get their D line flowing more Chris Tyree at the very least, a little bit more yeah. Chris Tyree that gives you that dimension um, screen game. You guys remember the beginning of the Georgia game uh, in Athens where um, they only got a field goal in the drive. It was, but Chip Long threw about every misdirection, strange, different fake handoff thing he could possibly yeah. do, throw back to commit. I, I mean, it's got to look like that on multiple drives. And then Some deception, you have to, you have, there has to be an ample amount of deception. And at some point to Priester's point, at some point after you've done all that and you come up with 17 points because of it, then you got to settle in and play your best football and hope it's enough and go for it on fourth down. Cause you can't do deception for 67 snaps either. I mean, look, it is worth reminding people that Notre Dame had 120 yards in the first quarter on yeah. 17 plays. Like it's not like Tommy Reese game plan was, I mean, he got found out by Brent Venables, but that doesn't mean it was a bad game plan. I think that's Venables out adjusted Reese more than right. I think out schemed him from the, from the get go. Sure. Sure. And when I say, when I say deception, you're not, you're not going to fool Alabama into a loss. Of course not. <laughs> Yeah, but but you know you, you're you're going to have to it, it's 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 tweaks it's not you, it, again it's not an overhaul overhaul in eleven days is not going to happen and it's not going to work. But if you fool them into seven points in the first quarter and seven in the third, you've done your job too. That's one right. way. To Stay in the game, hang in the game, hang in the game. Another five minutes off the clock, still right. in the game. That's how it's got to be done. Mac 341, do you think it's a different game if Notre Dame doesn't miss the field goal and if Davis makes the catch on fourth down? I think there were huge momentum swings. I, this was a, what I referenced in the first segment. I thought there were three key points in the game. Number one, the second and goal at the five, Tim, that, that you referenced. I, that I, it's, this isn't a second guess. I didn't. You couldn't hand the ball to Kyron Williams. There were 13 guys in the box, as I said. And, yeah, it was. And it, it, wasn't going to, it wasn't going to work. And then on third down, when, when Reese got flushed, that play was over. The second one is the the fourth and three where I put more of that on. I put that more on Avery Davis than I do Ian book because he's got to, he's got to help his quarterback out there. And then the third one, and we haven't, I don't think we referenced this yet. It's the score is 17 to three. Yeah. 17 to three. Uh, Clemson is backed up deep in their own territory. They get a false start. It's first and 15 from the seven. And Ogundeji has an opportunity to sack 
Lawrence and maybe even get a safety out of it. Now yeah. it's 17 to five and they're punting the ball to you. And if you can put together a touchdown drive, it's 17 to 12 and Clemson doesn't score that last touchdown before halftime. Or it's 17 to eight and Clemson doesn't score that last touchdown before. Well, they could very well be, but, but uh, best case scenario, 17 to 12 going into halftime. That would, that one I, I think was a, you know, how many, how many missed sacks have we seen Adi Ogundeji and especially Dalen Hayes have this year? A, a, a ton. And so they have, they just haven't been as good. Uh, and that's why when people say, well, the stats say that their, their pass rush, their sack totals are the same as last year. Sack totals and pass rush are two different things. Yeah. And I'm talking about four man rush, not, you know, anybody can sack quarterback when you send six or seven. They have blitzed well this year. The linebackers have blitzed better than you're the most. Oh, absolutely. Great job. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, also, um, people, I'm not saying they wouldn't have gotten a field goal by converting a first down, but when it's fourth and one with 29 seconds left and ATN goes 44 yards for a touchdown, that's not something you can have either. I mean, that, you got to sell. I get it. They're selling out because Notre Dame's thinking we stop them on fourth and one, one pass, we're kicking a field goal and we've changed momentum. But the, that was an absolute backbreaker, 41 yard touchdown run. I mean, 44 yard touchdown run. UND. UND lacks 2010. What on earth happened to the offensive line? Josh Lug seemed to struggle, but how do the others put up that poor of a performance? A lot of guys in the box, man. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think Jarrett Patterson would have won the football game for Notre Dame, but there's, there's, as Pete said, there's a lot of five stars running around out there. And once Venable starts doing stuff and you have Ian Book looking left and right and guys aren't open and you become one-dimensional – if that's Reese's fault or if that's the offensive line's fault, I'm not sure. But uh, at some point it was all dialed up and everything Brent Venables was going to do with all his athletes was just, they were going to overrun that line. Um, the other thing to say is, I guess we'll see if they're the best line in the country or not because they're playing against the other one. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's all like, what are you going to commit to the run when you're down 24, three? Like they were one dimensional the entire second half. Cause unfortunately they had to be. And against a team with a great pass rush that nobody's going to look good in that instance. It was just, it was disconcerting because we thought that was possible going in the first Clemson game. Like maybe we're just wrong and Clemson's defensive line is going to do it all the all time top defensive lines due to Notre Dame's great offensive lines, but they didn't. Yeah. Unfortunately, they did it here. BWAC 29. Will Zeke Carell be healthy enough to play January 1st? Would it matter? Should definitely be healthy enough. Um... I think so. Right. Unless he had a setback during practice that we don't know yeah, about. No, I don't. Not that I'm aware of, Pete. I don't know. If, I'm not aware. I don't. Of any, I don't think that he setbacks. has. Um, will it matter? I, I mean, I, I'm not sure. I, I, I voted Jared Patterson. Center, Tim. Alabama lost their center too. Let's see who overcomes the lost center. Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't know about you guys. Uh, I voted Jared Patterson first team All ACC center, despite yeah, yeah. missing the, the last few games. Even with him, I'm not sure that makes a difference. Zeke Corral at center is even less likely that makes a difference. Although, again, I think we're all in, in agreement um, that, that we like him better as a starting center. Yes. I do too, but I want to pose a question to you now. You don't have a month, right? You just go with what you're getting used to at center. Do you all of a sudden have more snap issues and more timing issues with another new center for Ian Book? I mean, that's up to Jeff Quinn, Brian Kelly, and Ian Book, probably. Yeah, maybe. In, in, either way, it's not an ideal situation. Um, you know, and it's a hell of a second start for Zeke Corral. 
<laughs> Zeke Corral's two starts at North Carolina and Alabama in the play. I'll tell you what, I gave Zeke Corral a lot of credit for being thrown into the fire in a high leverage situation in his first start. I bet he wouldn't mind seeing North Carolina on the other side of scrimmage in the yeah. second start. <laughs> Dashing Domer, is the sentiment that it would be better to avoid an opportunity to play Alabama to avoid a potential embarrassment than to have a chance to win a national championship? Is that anything other than cowardly and illogical? I mean, what are we even doing here? Dashing Domer is correct. Yeah. I, and like this is, I understand that this is really stressing the philosophical take that you're always better to play in the playoffs <laughs> than not. Like yes. we're really pushing the boundaries of this. However, it still holds that I would rather see Notre Dame play Alabama, just even if it's just to see how far away they are from them, than to play Texas A&M or Florida. To, you you always take your shot, man. Alabama yeah. could lose a football game. I mean, I don't think they're going to lose a football game, but if Alabama drives down the field to start the game and it's laughably easy, and then Kyle Hamilton picks it off for a touchdown and goes back 97 yards, it's a little different, right? Things have happened in football games. You have to take your shot. Now, to the fans that say, I don't want to play Alabama in a different bowl game, maybe, like <laughs> – I would. I am all about avoiding the best team in another random bowl that doesn't matter. Like I did not want to see Notre Dame play Ohio State in that Fiesta Bowl. I was like, oh god. Sure. But this is way. This is totally different. You take your shot every time. Well, and if they had moved the Rose Bowl out of Pasadena, Brian Kelly could have turned the bid down. <laughs> yeah, you had to get it. You, you, you do. You, you. It's your time to say it, Tim. You yeah. got your... <laughs> I just really, really, really did not like the timing of Brian Kelly talking about the Rose Bowl 24 hours before he played Clemson. And I, I will say for all the benefit, Tim Priester was very much on this topic before he, right when you landed Friday and read about it. This is not, now, this is not in retrospect for you. This is not hindsight. You felt now this it, way. Yeah, Friday. no. In the fairness of debate, you disagree with that, Pete. Explain I why. Explain why. I just why. don't think it had anything to do with anything. Like, to me, it, it was just, it was a 30 minute press conference the day before the game that it wasn't like he was going to spend that time unlocking the secret to stop. Trevor I am Lawrence. not saying that Notre Dame lost because of what Brian Kelly said on Friday. Yeah. I, just, I think it had no impact on the game. I, I think it was completely inappropriate for the head coach of Notre Dame to be talking about post talking about the playoffs before a knowing you've even been are getting in the playoffs and B 24 hours before you play, a Clemson football team. I think that is absolutely ridiculous. I, I don't, I, I cannot even, I, I can't conceptualize why he would make that decision 24 hours before playing Clemson. I know it offered up some good tweets. And then, and then, but wait, and then to say, we may not even go to the playoff. That was probably the word. Are you, are you, do, is there any human being on the face of the earth that believes that's true? No, no I, including I him. Well, then, so why the hell is he saying it? It's. I mean, it was all theater. It was to like, it was to force the Rose Bowl to do what they actually did. The the petition had already been made by the ACC and the SEC to move the game out of Pasadena. Nothing Brian Kelly said on Friday impacted the movement of that game. I I totally believe that. But we also believe it did not impact the uh, result of the ACC. Nope. Game. Heck, Domer, you've now gotten to see Trevor Lawrence twice up close, the best college quarterback and pro prospect since Andrew Luck? Uh, better than him. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, in fairness to Luck, uh, Luck would look better with Clemson's players over the last three years, but much better than Luck still. Uh, Luck was a great runner. Luck was a good pro runner, too. Uh, so who have we seen? I mean, Lawrence is easily better than Winston, um, who was great as a Heisman Trophy winner. Not quite as good uh, as him. I mean, we saw Palmer and Leinert maybe a little before you were on the beat, but, you know, uh, Palmer was really, really good. Yeah, Palmer had Palmer had better receivers in college than, than Lawrence does. yeah. But nobody uh, has nobody has nobody has the well-rounded game that Lawrence has. I, I, I mean, I really I, firmly believe that, and I know that. No, I will, yeah, I agree. I agree. I know I'm prone to hyper, hyperbole sometimes, but as far as the com- completeness of his game and all the things that he can do, with the addition of the the running game, and then he's throwing blocks, and he's <laughs> the only know, player we'd rather have over him in the next ten years is Mahomes. I think that Rogers older. Rogers yeah, but we didn't know that when he was in college. No, it no, was uh, good now. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. I think Larry Williams is like longtime Clemson reporter. I, I don't know yes. the site that he runs, but like basically described Trevor Lawrence's freshman year as like Peyton Manning with wheels, and I think that's that's kind of what it is, unfortunately, for everybody else. Yeah, that's what I said in tail of tape. Can you name a a, a more well rounded quarterback? And don't you don't even dare say Peyton Manning because He's not more well-rounded. He's amazing, but the well-roundedness of this guy's game is is unbelievable. And I drop in the Steve Spurrier line because remember, I used to live in Atlanta during the uh, Peyton Manning Florida days. You know why Peyton Manning came back for his senior year to be the only four-time winner of the Citrus Bowl? <laughs> That's what Spurrier said about him because Spurrier uh, is the guy you want to be on a press conference and Zoom with. Back of that, that would be good. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Do you think he ever talked about uh, a bowl game or the playoffs 24 hours before a conference championship game? He probably did. He may have. He could could do that. He could get away with that. BK can't get away with that. (laughs) Not on my watch. Not on your watch or on any fan's watch. (laughs) Not after that performance. (laughs) Denver Maximus, speaking of guys that can't get away with anything right now, with Sean Crawford looking like a liability in pass coverage more and more against elite and talented wide receivers, what options does Notre Dame have in the secondary now that each remaining team they play has elite and talented wide receivers and a quarterback that can win it? The option is you tell Sean Crawford, stop giving in to the double moves. Now get your ass back out there. That's it. That you have no there is no other option to consider. Don't this, uh, I don't want to hear another name of a Notre Dame safety. We're there not even no bring other, up. Harrison Smith. No, you're not. Harrison Smith. That's yes. <laughs> Sold. <laughs> I just like to me this this was always like the secret trap door in Notre Dame's defense all year is that their secondary was not nearly as good as it seemed, but they hadn't been sort of ripped apart the way that Clemson was able to rip them apart and, right, and because- isolate Sean Crawford against an elite slot receiver. Because I mean the double move totally part of it, but athletically he's just not he's just not there with that that kind of skill talent. Well, and after four catastrophic injuries. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, yeah. you know, a totally healthy, never right. operated on Sean Crawford. No, and he's, totally a, he's a 5'9 five, five, at best safety. And yeah. we knew, look, we knew it was an imperfect match. But choosing Crawford to play safety this year was the only decision that they could make. Houston Griffith can't play the position like that. DJ Brown is getting launched all over the field the other day. I just, I just looked are, up and saw Trevor Lawrence shove him to the ground on the block. But that was... Yeah, yeah. he got blocked. He's the one that got blocked by Trevor Lawrence. 
There are no other options. Sean Crawford's your starting safety. Sean Crawford in six years has sacrificed life and limb for this program. We should be applauding him. You can cuss him when he makes a bad play. He's been way better for this. He's done way more good things for this program than bad. If you take Brian Kelly at his word, he said, I thought Sean Crawford would be a placeholder, which leads me to believe that at some point in August, his safeties were out because of COVID. And they put Sean Crawford there because he could run practices and do stuff. Well, nobody caught him ever. And no one probably approached catching him ever to take that job away from him. And do you yes. want to know why Sean Crawford was on an island with Amari Rogers or anybody else out there? Because Trevor Lawrence had to be accounted for by everybody else in the box on every play. Trevor Lawrence completely changed. Well, every- yeah. The reason Crawford was on an island was because Kyle Hamilton's the other safety. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to skip our last question, by the way, just to okay. let me know. So moving Irish, on to – There we go. go. Ahead. Irish John M. Each of you thought that possibly <laughs> being named head coach at Vandy would have no impact on how well the defense prepared and played against Clemson. Do you still believe that to be the case after that performance Saturday? Yes. Yeah, I do. I do. I mean, I, I, it's a legitimate question. I, I get that. And is Clark Lee's head in a couple different places? Yeah. But I, I really – I really do not believe that that impacted his preparation with his team. I mean, of all guys, of all guys, the one the one that we would suspect would least be impacted by that would be Clark Lee. Yeah, I mean, look, could is he slightly unsettled? Like, could it have a one percent impact? Yeah, sure. Like, and you know, maybe if you're Mike Elston or Terry Joseph, you're wondering, okay, what's going to happen next in Notre Dame? There's like some distractions, but these guys are professional coaches at the college level like they should be able to handle with this i just think they compartmentalize a lot better than any fan can conceive absolutely especially clarkly i mean especially clarkly yeah. what happened to Nordame's defense was the d-line didn't play well crawford was isolated trevor lawrence is a genius yeah. tony elliott called a great game to be fair to something we don't know not everybody can compartmentalize someone asked the question could think that and maybe some coaches can't either like I don't know if every coach can compartmentalize as well. I know one thing. When I'm involved in something I enjoy or really want to do, I absolutely don't think of a single thing, and it doesn't matter how bad something is going in my life. I literally don't think of anything else, as long as I like what I'm doing. You know, it's not like it's not like you'd be sitting there jotting down the first downs from the Syracuse game before the Clemson game starts and not think of anything else. But if I'm really into it like a Clark Lee is, I, I just com- completely zone out and don't think about anything else. Irish B, this question has been asked a million times and we all know the answer, but after Saturday, we must ask it again. And I promise you this is the last time this question will ever be asked on this podcast. Any freaking way we see someone new, a.k.a. Jordan Johnson, moving forward. Lindsay, does he count? At this point, Lin- I think he does. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, my feeling about Lindsay, and I'm, and no offense, well, I guess it is offense, Irish beef, but yeah, I mean, we were kind of the mindset that if Lindsay couldn't prove anything before the end of the regular season, right. okay, you're not going to use him. You probably need to, you probably need to alter that line of thinking. Jordan yeah. Johnson, you're, you're not going to run Jordan Johnson out there against Alabama. He's not going to play effectively against Alabama. You can counter by saying, should he have played earlier in the season? Okay, I can't take that away from you, but Jordan Johnson cannot play in this game. That's not going to make a difference. Total snaps by backup wide receivers for Notre Dame. Do you guys have the number? From, from the other day? Saturday? Yep. Is it zero? It is indeed. Okay. So I thought. That... Total snaps by 
that's a little extreme, don't you think? That is extreme. Yeah, I just it's uh, it's a frustrating situation for Notre Dame fans. I, I I hear what you're saying, especially when your receivers are look. I mean, they're they've Skoranek and McKinley have been, I think, both very pleasant surprises for Notre Dame this year. Um, but there wasn't a lot of good stuff happening on Saturday at all, and I, I do find it strange that Lindsey. Wilkins, Keys. certainly Keys, way less Jordan Johnson. Um, Mostly yeah. Lindsey. If Lindsey can, Joe, Joe Wilkins didn't get an open on anybody that Javon McKinley's not getting. Yeah, open. and, and but, Lawrence, I'm sorry, Lawrence Keys is not strong enough to play at this level if he's, he's just not. If Lindsey was healthy, I don't understand how he can't be involved in the game in some way, shape, or form just to go out there. Just to, he's fast. He's on film as being fast. Like that. That yeah. impacts one percent of something Brett Venables does when Braden Lindsay's out there alone, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, a fake hands off to Braden Lindsay <laughs> helps. That, that. No, and you probably you, you probably you better think about some alternatives here in this game. And he's he's the alternative to choose. Jordan Johnson's going to be a good receiver, a, a very good receiver. I believe that. Hopefully next they're, year. They're right next year and beginning next year. There are reasons why he didn't play this year. Part of it was because academically. There were some issues there, and Notre Dame's not going to put a player on the field like that until he gets that straightened out. It's not punishment. It's it's just the procedure at Notre Dame. So Jordan Johnson's not playing in this game. Let's look for him to get involved next year. They have to find a way to get him involved next year. I agree with that, but now's not the time to do that. Wrap it up, Tim. Brian Millam, 1973. What are the chances Alabama looks ahead to Clemson? And Notre Dame catches them flat-footed and makes this game interesting. Who's Alabama's head coach? I, I he's already had COVID, so he's going to. I to actually, uh, I see two questions here. I think there are chances that Alabama looks ahead to Clemson, but oh. that does not mean Notre Dame will catch them flat-footed and make the game interesting. <laughs> oh, looks ahead. They they can come. So you're saying they can compartmentalize like yeah. Clark Lee and coaches. Yeah. Again, it's uh, <laughs> these coaches. They they know how to like get themselves mentally in order sometimes, and I think that uh, Nick Saban will do a good job of that. And I'm sure it's human nature for Alabama to look at Notre Dame and says, "Okay, that's a team that we're way better than." But I'm sure that well, I have like, no doubt. I have no doubt that Nick Saban will will do everything he can to make sure they're on point. What if? Let's say Alabama was facing Ohio State in the semifinal. Do you think Alabama would be going home for Christmas? <laughs> I hadn't I'm thought serious. about what, No, it's a good point. I hadn't thought about why they were going home for Christmas. Was that decision made after they found out who they were playing in the first round in the semifinals? I think it was announced on Sunday, but like by Saturday night, you knew who they were playing in the first oh, round. Okay. Right? Yeah, I got gotcha. you. In terms I of gotcha. fearing your opponent. When's the last time Alabama feared its opponent going to a game? All those players were like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be rough. <laughs> like, I don't know what's going to happen just, here. Just the Clemson National Championship games, yeah, right? That's, that's it. In LSU last year, like, man, we got to deal with this. That's it, yeah, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. We have not uh, – I had meant to talk to with Jack about when we were going to do our next podcast. Uh, we can't do a third – we're not doing a Thursday because it's uh, – Probably Christmas Monday. Eve. Well, yeah, probably Monday, but I think – I wonder if we should do one. Uh, no, Jack's shaking his head. Okay, looks yeah. like Monday. Yeah, Monday. Next Monday, Monday it is. Next week. All right, next week for the for the game. So you're telling me you're saying we can have Christmas off? Good to hear. Good to hear. All right, hey everybody out there, we appreciate you listening all season long, uh, and we hope you have a wonderful Christmas. Thanks for joining us. Talk to you soon.